Hello, I'm EJ, the Managing Director of The Supper Club, and welcome to the third episode of our AXA Growth Leaders podcast. Today, we are catching up with the amazing Bruce Daisley. Not only is he the VP of Twitter for EMEA, he is also the host of one of Apple's number one UK business podcasts, Eat, Sleep, Work, Repeat. And back in January, he released what went on to be the number one Sunday Times business bestseller book, The Joy of Work. And in the book, he tackles the key issues of 21st century office life, providing practical, empirically tested advice on how to create a more productive and inspiring work culture. We'll pop a link to the book in the description, and I'd really recommend grabbing a copy of it. It's clear to see why Bruce has been one of the evening standards of thousand most influential Londoners for the last four years and why we wanted to talk to him about the future of work. We started things off by getting Bruce's thoughts on whether or not we should be looking forward to the workplace of the future. So without much ado, here's Bruce. It's hard not to be excited about some aspects about the future of work. There are progressive voices who are trying to think about how we can make work a better place to be. But it's worth adding the caution that that's not going to be every organisation. I think probably there's going to be a real differentiation in the future between those employers who are thinking about health of their workers, thinking about the well-being of their workers, and those who are optimising maybe to, to have a slightly cheaper existence. And increasingly, talent's going to be able to differentiate those. What do you think are the top trends that will shape the future workforce? I think a couple of the biggest trends we're in the middle of right now are definitely these, uh, right now the impact of work upon a lot of people is that they're feeling exhausted. There's something of a burnout epidemic going on. I think we've got to be aware of that. The, the demands of constant connectivity are definitely having a toll on workers. Going forwards, one of the things that we need to be aware of is that as machine learning, automation, computers start taking parts of our jobs, that's obviously a, a welcomed element, but we need to be aware of it and prepare us, our workers and people in the workforce for the impact that's going to have on the expectations of them. What do you think businesses need to be doing now to prepare for attracting talent in the future? I think a lot of us can think that the thing we need to be doing to attract the next generation of talent is making beautiful looking offices filled with yoga rooms and bean bags. And in fact, far more than that, I think what companies are finding is that it's the day-to-day -day experience of work that's having a big impact. If people feel that they're being exhausted by the demands upon them, the pressure being put on them, they're starting to vote with their feet. And we're seeing this with a lot of the, what used to be regarded as the destination employers, are seeing that a lot of young workers are getting up and, and voting with their feet to leave. So increasingly thinking about the employee experience and what day-to-day -day work is like seems to be a really critical consideration. What do you think the workforce of tomorrow will look like and how can businesses plan for it? And as well as that, how do they need to prepare for attracting the talent of the future right now? Interestingly, when we imagine the workforce of the future, I think it's going to look a lot more diverse in, in age profile as much as anything else. I think a lot of us are faced now with the prospect of working well into our 70s. Increasingly, I think parents will be asking for more accommodation to try and ensure that they can serve all of their responsibilities at home and at work. So I think we're going to see a lot of different patterns of working and the best employers are going to be the ones who are thinking ahead of that and trying to encourage different patterns that fit different needs. How do you think hyperconnectivity, social media and the demand to always be switched on is impacting workers? 
I was really taken with the fact that the AXA PPP healthcare research said that one in five employees felt that email was something that was, that was disproportionately impacting their experience at work. Something for us to be aware about. Email probably is having a bigger impact on people feeling overwhelmed, exhausted, and, and probably unhappy at work than we, we care to admit. And I think going forwards, the companies that learn to deal with the impact of this are going to be the most attractive to work at. There's a lot of evidence that suggests that it's actually younger workers who are really feeling the toll of more connectivity, higher digital expectation of them. And that's probably a reflection of where they sit in the hierarchy, but something that we all need to be aware of. Younger workers may well be experiencing the harder edges of a constant demand to be online, on email and connected all the time. Do you think social media will continue to have such an impact on attracting talent and brand image? Unequivocally, the, the elements of communication via things like social media are part of life now. And so we need to understand how that will work, I guess, partly in terms of attracting candidates, partly in terms of candidates talking about their experience. And we, we need to be aware that broader platforms of discovery, of, of messaging, are going to be a factor of life from now on. I think the challenge of social media is that in many ways it's, it's the medium of truth. So whatever people are experiencing, they often go to social media to share it. And no matter how nicely packaged your website is, actually people, prospective candidates can discover parts of what it's like to work somewhere or what someone's like as a candidate from their social media. And that extends not only into obvious social media platforms, but into things like Glassdoor, LinkedIn. So we need to be aware more than ever before that the image that we're trying to give out will be one that people will discover in many different places. Is there one policy companies can start using today to improve team morale? I think less than that, it's more about modelling patterns of behaviour. I was really taken with one example of, of the leader of Pepsi in Australia. He said his responsibility as a manager was to leave the office noisily at the end of the day, almost to model it's okay to do a good day's work and go home. I think all of us find ourselves in companies where we're surrounded with workers who maybe are increasingly burnt out and exhausted if, they, if they're working all the time. And I think these just little simple acts that we can do, encouraging people to take breaks, encouraging lunch times, encouraging people to go home on time, these seem to have a really big, almost disproportionate impact on people feeling like they're in love with their job again. Now, I've heard you speak about isolation for workers on your podcast before. How do you think we can manage this in the future? And what are your thoughts around remote working? One of the incredibly sad things I saw was that 42% of British workers claim not to have a single friend at work. And this seems a brand new notion that's really hitting us now. The idea we can be in a job but feel isolated. The challenge, I think, for all of us is how can we overcome that? How can we overcome that sense that people might be surrounded with colleagues but feel disconnected from them? My fear is that it's going to be a twin-track world. Some organisations are going to learn how to build this cohesion, this sense of team, and others won't. And it's probably going to be the progressive employers, the ones who become the future destination employers, that will learn to deal with this. And lastly, Bruce, what are your thoughts around remote working? The whole topic of remote working is so fascinating. The UN report that remote workers actually feel more stressed than office workers. 
So I think we can very easily fall into simple pitfalls and, and mistakes when it comes to remote working. A lot of people report that their enjoyment of their job goes up massively when they get the opportunity to get work done in private, maybe at home one day a week. The other thing we probably need to consider is that team cohesion and the sense of feeling part of something bigger than yourself goes down if we don't spend time around colleagues. So there's definitely a balance to be struck. My feeling is that teams often feel really empowered if they're able to make some of these decisions themselves. If they decide Thursday's the day we work from home and but everyone has to be here on a Wednesday and a Tuesday, you tend to find the team feels more sense of power and, and autonomy by having made those calls themselves. So big upsides from these things, but I think we, we need to stimulate discussion on them. Thank you so much to Bruce for his time. I hope you found it as eye-opening as I did. For more information on health and wellbeing in the workplace, head to thesupperclub.com and check out our insights page or head to the AXA Growth Leaders Hub. We'll put links to these and Bruce's book, The Joy of Work, in the description. Now, I hope you've enjoyed this series of podcasts and please do rate and review them so that we can plan for some more episodes in the future. And until then, thanks for listening.